With a broken heart, I report to you that many families are drowning under the hurricane waters of a world system that cannot possibly fix the problem. But there is someone who can. God has help for you. Today, if you've, if you've been around for the last few weeks, you know what today we're going to talk about. And so uh, we're going to talk about intimacy. So I'll give you just a second to kind of shuffle in your seat. Get yourself comfortable, <laughs> and then we're going to work our way through. It's an, it's an amazing word, that word intimacy, because it can mean a lot of different things. You know, for us, when we hear that word, what do you think about? It's okay, say it. Sex. That's what you think about when you hear that word, but that word's actually a whole lot bigger than just the word sex. In fact, sex inside of marriage is, is not, doesn't really even come down to that. It comes down to intimacy in the relationship between a husband and a wife. So, Let's deal with that word a little bit. Intimacy defined. It's not what you think it would be. The word defined is this. It usually denotes mutual vulnerability, openness, and sharing. And it's often present in close, loving relationships such as marriage and friendship. But here's the key phrase. The term is also sometimes used to refer to sexual interactions. But intimacy doesn't have to be sexual. But let me just kind of lead you into that so that you can understand exactly what God is about and what his desire is when it comes to intimacy in the marriage relationship. You see, intimacy can't start with just a husband and a wife. Intimacy must start with God. That's what it's all about. Because I can't have intimacy with my wife, and, and I praise God for her, without first having intimacy with God. And what I mean by that is a close, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've got to have it. I have to have it in order, to, in order to have that. And in regards of relationship, when you talk about our relationship with God, vulnerability, openness, and sharing, I mean, think about it for just a second. When you think about our relationship with God, in your relationship with God, in your personal relationship with God, don't you tell things to God that nobody else knows? Do you? Well, if you do, then that's exactly what it is. It means you have an intimate relationship with God, meaning you can share anything with Him, and you know that God is going to keep that between you and He. But not only is God going to keep that between you and He, but God is going to help you to work with your heart so that you can have a closer and closer relationship with Him and continue to reveal everything about your heart to Him. Why not? Why not reveal it all? Does He not already know? You see, He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows when we're going to sin, even in the midst of His conviction. Even when He's saying, don't do that or do this, He already knows when we're going to mess it up. He knows everything about us. He, he desires that we come to an understanding of what intimacy is in a relationship with God. Here's the thing. It's impossible to know biblically, biblical intimacy without a relationship with God. It's impossible. 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 It's kind of like the word love. When you think about it in the context of Scripture, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Do you remember what he said? He said to love, love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. In the Old Testament, it says to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. So Jesus was just repeating himself in the New Testament exactly what he said in the Old Testament. And he said it in the Old Testament. 
He's just repeating it in the New Testament. But Jesus didn't stop right there. He said, love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And then he said, but listen, the second command is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But you see, there's a catch here. You can't love your neighbor in the manner that God desires that you love your neighbor unless you first love God in the manner he desires to be loved. It's impossible. It's impossible to love your neighbor that way without loving God. Because listen, some of our neighbors are hard to love. They are. There's people in here right now that's hard to love. In fact, if you were to look to your left or your right, you might go, they're hard to love right there. But it's just how it is. It's just a church. It doesn't mean we're perfect. And there are people that's hard to love. But listen, intimacy is the same way. I can't be, have the intimacy that God desires for me to have with my wife unless I have the intimacy that God desires for me to have with Him first so that I understand it. You see, when we talk about sex, we look at sex and we go, well, that's an act. No, it's not. It's not an act. It's intimacy. It's intimacy with my wife. It's just a whole different thing. And once you've been married, and if you're single right now, then you'll understand exactly what I'm getting at. But see, here's the thing about intimacy with God. Intimacy with God is personal. It's personal. Not only does God know my thoughts, and not only am I able to share my thoughts with God knowing that no one else is going to know about what I'm saying to God, but it is completely personal. When I think about that relationship, you see, God to me is my personal Lord. He's my personal Father. He's my personal Savior. Remember that old song, He's my personal Savior? He is. He's mine. He's personal. It's real between me and Him. And sometimes I, I claim him as mine. He's not yours. He's mine. Because it is so personal between me and God. You see, that's what intimacy is in our relationship with God himself. So first of all, you have to think about intimacy with God. But secondly, you have to think about the intimacy of God's will. The intimacy of God's will. You see, before marriage, here's God's will. Before marriage. Before marriage, God's will is that we wait for intimacy with another person until we're married. The Word of God is clear. There's no way around it. And here's the thing. It's not a suggestion. It's what God has clearly said. There's no getting around it. In fact, the Bible has a whole lot to say about that. It would blow your mind. The amount of times that God says, do not commit adultery. So it is very, very important in our intimacy with God that we understand the intimacy of God's will in our life. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason he didn't give us that choice. You see, God wants it to be more than just a physical act between a man and a woman. But God wants it to be intimacy. And God desires intimacy in that relationship. So it is more than just a physical act. In the Song of Solomon... We're going to spend a lot of time. You may as well just start going to the middle of your Bible. Go to the Song of Solomon because we're going to stay there today. We're going to be there. In fact, we're going to read some things in the Song of Solomon. And some of you are going to go, I didn't know that was there. It's there. Here's what it says in the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse number 7. Solomon says this, Do not stir up or awaken love before it's time. What is he saying? 
He's saying, do not be intimate with another person. Your intimacy should only be with God until that moment in which you were married to one another. That's the time. In fact, it was so important that he didn't just say that one time, but he came right behind it in Song of Solomon chapter 3 and verse number 5, and he said exactly the same thing. He said, do not stir up or awaken love before it's time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 1, it says this, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man to not have sexual relations with a woman. Now, some of you guys are going, what? That's what it says. Why does it say such a thing that it's good for a man not to have sexual relationships, intimacy with a woman? Why does he he say that? Because God desires your relationship to be so close with him that that's all you want. That's why he said that. But you see, God knows us. He knows us, and he knows that many of us are vulnerable and that, 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 we, that we want to have a relationship with, with a woman or with a, a husband, and so God brings that person into our life. That's just the knowledge that God has with us in our heart. It's so that you can focus all of your attention on God. You see, the thing is, when you get married, you can't focus just on God anymore. You try to. But I have to focus my attention on my wife, too. And you know what? When kids came along, oh my. When kids came along, not only was I focusing my attention on God and focusing my attention on my wife, but there were these two little ones that were running around and they needed attention. And if you didn't give them attention, then they showed you that they were going to get attention. You see, all of those things pull away from the attention that you would be giving God 100% of the time if you were not married. And that's what that verse is talking about. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31, it says this right here, And whatsoever you eat and whatsoever you drink, do all to the glory of God. You see, that's what intimacy is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about the glory of God, doing everything to the glory of God. Let me ask you a question. We were singing all these songs just a few minutes ago. Can you say right now that you were singing and that God got the glory for the way you were worshiping? Let me ask you this question. Because some of you, when I said the word intimacy this morning, you turned me off right then. Does God get the glory when we turn off the word of God? You see, I was talking with Brother Mike this morning and just kind of letting him know my heart and and how I felt about this message because it's not easy. And it's not something that some of us are used to talking about in church. But here's the thing. Here's the thing right here. If we don't talk about in church, where are we going to talk about it? If it's the Word of God, then shouldn't we be dealing with every word in the Word of God? You see, a lot of churches are getting in trouble nowadays because they're picking and choosing. And we're not going to pick and choose. We're going to deal with the entire Word of God, and we're going to say it just exactly like it says it. And we're not going to give in on it. We're going to talk about God's Word. Because it is literally breathed out of His mouth so that he, we would understand exactly what He desires of us when it comes to intimacy. It may be hard to talk about that stuff. It doesn't mean we don't get to talk about it. It just means we need to deal 
with the Word of God. You know, we also got to talk about the intimacy of God's will during marriage. The intimacy of God's will during marriage. You see, God is the creator of marriage. God did it. We didn't invent that, y'all. You see, God invented that back in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 when he walked Eve up into the life of Adam. And Adam went, whoa, man. And so that's where we got their name, woman. Because some of you just think about it just a little while to come to you. That was marriage. He brought her into Adam's life. And then he said, whatsoever God has, chung, has, has brought together, shall no man steal away. God did that. God invented marriage. And then he gave them the first command. Do you know what it was? Be fruitful and multiply. That was it. That's the first thing he said to them. In other words, be intimate. That's exactly what he said. During marriage, we've got to remember that God is the creator of marriage. And because we are married now, now it just means that God is at the center of that thing that he created. And now that we're in this relationship with our wife or with our husband, with God at the center of it, we're constantly still focused on God. Our focus never changed. It never changed. God just gave us that partner to focus with us. And as we draw closer and closer and closer to God, what we do is draw closer and closer and closer to each other. It's unavoidable when we're doing it God's way. It's so important that we understand the intimacy of the marriage relationship and the intimacy of God's will during that. And then there's the intimacy of, God's, of that relationship that God has with us after marriage. You know, some of you have, have, have had the loss of a spouse. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine even for a moment not having Betty Lynn in my, wife, in my life after 34 years. That'd be a hard thing. I don't even know how to think about that. But some of you have suffered through that. You know, the Bible has something to say to you. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 8. To the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. You see, there was a time in your life when all your focus was on God, and that was all you focused on. And then God gave you a husband, or He gave you a wife. And now that person's gone. Well, you, what do you do? Put your attention back on God completely. The way it was before you were married to start with. When we talk about intimacy within the marriage relationship, we need to talk about the intimacy of thought. The intimacy of thought. Turn with me to Song of Solomon chapter 3 and verse number 1. Song of Solomon chapter 3 and verse number 1. It says there, On my bed by night I sought him. Whom my soul loves I sought him, but found him not. I will rise now and go about the city and the streets and the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. You see, this is the bride. This is the Shulamite. And she, her thoughts are, are on Solomon and she desires him. She wants to be with him. And, and it just comes right out in her words. What she's saying, you see, there's an intimacy of thought in marriage. My wife knows things about me that you're never going to know, praise God. Some of you know some of the intimate things about me and my wife because when you look at my phone, if the phone rings and you pick it up for me, it, it says F.F. 
F.Mama. And one of the young people did that one day, and they said, Who is F.F.Mama? Is that your mama? No, that's my wife. She's the fine, foxy mama. Just like that. You see, that's between me and her. I love her. That's what I call her. And I don't care what anybody has to say about it. If somebody says she's not, then... Because she is. And she's mine. It's personal. It's intimate. It's between she and I. It's because that's the way God designed it to be. It's an amazing, amazing thing. You see that thought. I find myself thinking about Betty Lynn all the time. Now that we're separated three or four days a week, when I'm not with her, listen, I'm lonely. I'm lonely. Today's our 34th wedding anniversary. And it's awesome to be at home with her. It's awesome, listen, to hold my wife. I love that. God gave me that. And I praise God for her. The intimacy that we have in our relationship. My thoughts are about her. I remember when God first brought us together. This the amazing thing about that. I can remember the details of her right now. The details. I can tell you exactly what she was wearing. I can tell you how big her hair was. I, I, I can tell you because I remember the details. And here's what's crazy about it. Did you know after this much time, I can't even remember most of the people I graduated high school with. And I spent 12 years with them. But I can remember the details of that first moment. Intimacy of thought. Sometimes I just think about that. Have you ever just thought about the day when the kids are gone? The day when you're retired? When you can actually sit on a porch on a swing with your spouse. You think about that? I do. My hair didn't turn gray, it turned loose. I'm just nine years out. And that can be my life with her. Hey, listen, we can go to the mission field, but we'll, we'll do it together. She and I. Because God has provided a way. It's the intimacy of thought. There's also the intimacy of desire. You see this in works. If you look with me at Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse number 1. The intimacy of desire. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name, is, your, your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. Look at verse number 8. This is Solomon talking to her. If you do not know, O most beautiful among women... Follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats beside the shepherd tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Ferriot's chariots. What if somebody said that to you, ladies? Compare you to a horse. Mm. Look at verse 10. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments and your neck with a string of jewels. Look at chapter 4 and verse number 1. The intimacy of desire. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. 
Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up for the washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost its young. Your lips are like scarlet thread. Your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like halves of pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the tower of David built in rows of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts like two fawns, twins of a gazelle that graze among the lilies. Until the day breathes and the shadows flee, I will go away to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. The desire of a man toward his wife and the desire of a woman toward their, her husband. You see, they desire one another. There's an intimacy in that desire. They want to be together. That's intimacy. In marriage, we ought to desire one another. We ought to. If you don't, get counseling. If you don't, get with someone to share with you how and find out why and get it straightened out. We ought to desire one another intimately. Hebrews 13, 4 says this marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. Intimacy. It's a blessing that we have from God. Such an amazing thing, the intimacy of desire that you see in these words. And then there's the intimacy of deed. The intimacy of deed. You see this in the action of intimacy. Look at Song of Solomon chapter 7 and verse number 1. How beautiful are your feet and sandals, O noble daughter! Your rounded thighs are like jewels. The work of a master's hand. Your navel is rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are pools of, of Heshbon by the gate of Bathraben. Your nose is like a tower of Lebanon which looks toward Damascus. Your head crowns you like caramel and your flowing locks are like pure purple. A king is held captive in its tresses. How beautiful and pleasant you are, O oh, loved one, with all your delights. Your statue, stature is like a palm tree and your breast like its clusters. I say I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its fruit. Oh, may your breast be like clusters of the vine and the sin of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. Did you know that was in there? Maybe you should read the Song of Solomon. The amazing relationship of intimacy between a husband and a wife. What God is giving to us is amazing. If you'll see it for exactly what God intended for you to see it for. The intimacy of action. Proverbs chapter 5, 18 through 19 says this, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Let me just break that down for you. Do you know what satisfied means? 
Anybody? You ever been really hungry, then had all you could get in your face? You were so hungry that you ate and you ate, and then you could eat no more. That's what satisfaction is. And it's what God intends in the intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. Do you know what enraptured means? It's an awesome word. I love it. I love that word and how it spells it out here biblically. To be enraptured means to be intoxicated, ravished, and overwhelmed. That's what intimacy in the marriage relationship is supposed to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 3 says this, Let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her, and like, like also the wife to her husband. This translated phrase in the New American Standard means to fulfill his duty. In the King James, it means to render due benevolence. In the NIV, it means to fulfill his marital duty. It's not a question of if you will, you will. Because that's what God's commanded in His Word. You will do what you married into. <laughs> Fulfill your duty. John MacArthur says this, In the normal realms of life, a Christian's body is his own. To take care of and use as a gift from God in the deepest spiritual sense, of course. It belongs entirely to God. But in the marital realm, it also belongs to the partner. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 4 says this, The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. You literally do not own yourself anymore. The husband owns the wife, and the wife owns the body of the husband. In regards to intimacy, God even tells us that, that intimacy should be regular and reciprocal. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 5 says this, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Here's what that means. Do not deprive means to literally rob your spouse of something. It would mean to steal from your spouse. God literally says that a couple should be physically intimate all the time and lays out when they should not be word for word. The only time we should not be being physically intimate is when you mutually agree for a specified time, for a specified spiritual purpose with a planned resumption. Let me read the verse again. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The Bible is very clear when it comes in into, the, into intimacy within the marriage relationship. You know, we've talked a lot about the family over the, 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 the last several weeks. We've talked about drowning families and things that you go for. Let me just say this. When it comes to intimacy in the marriage relationship, oftentimes husbands and wives feel like they're drowning. 
because they're not getting what God intended for them to get when it involves intimacy in the relationship between the husband and the wife. God desires that we even do intimacy biblically. Do it God's way. We do marriage God's way. We do our relationship with God God's way. We worship God's way. We glorify God God's way. We're even married God's way. Then why shouldn't intimacy be done God's way? It's how he intended it to be. Lastly, there's the intimacy of God's conviction. You see, God's conviction is personal to us. He convicts me differently than he convicts you. He does. He convicts you differently than he convicts me. With a message like this message this morning, some of you are just kind of sitting back on your heels right now and you're going, wow, the Bible has a lot to say about this that I didn't even know. And some of you, God is even convicting your heart this morning over the way you've approached intimacy in the marriage relationship. What he is saying right now, what he is telling you is personal to you. Just like as I was preparing this message for this morning, what he said to me was personal to me. And what you've heard this morning is exactly from the word of God. The question would be, what has God said to you? As you've heard all of the words of God. Maybe you are married and you desire the Song of Solomon kind of intimacy with your spouse. Maybe this morning you need to grab your husband or your wife's hand and just rededicate your marriage to God and the intimacy you have with one another. Whatever God is saying, remember, it's intimate to just you. Just simply do what He says. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com.